This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go, everyday giftable, everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Hey guys, real quick. Father's Day's coming up and Manscaped is the gift for your dad. They're supporting today's episode. Manscaped has the right tools to get the job done quickly, safely, and hygienically. Father's Day is right around the corner, and you probably need a gift for your hairy dad. Make your dad proud this year and get him and yourself the Manscaped Perfect Package. Because you know what they say, like father, like son. We love Manscaped over at Film Study and over at Section 336. We're excited that they are bringing a great deal to you. By using the code BIRDLAND, so that's BIRDLAND with a B, you will get 20% off and free shipping on anything over at Manscaped. Uh, I've got the Lawnmower 3.0 right here. It's awesome. Very impressed with it. I, uh, As a guy that cuts my own hair as well, on the top of my head, I wish they covered that. But this Lawnmower does an excellent job. And I'm really excited. Just ordered their new Weed Whacker to give it a try also, which is your nose. 
and ear trimmer. Uh, they make great products, great blades. Go check it out. As Manscaped says, your balls will thank you. So remember, get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIRDLAND at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code BIRDLAND. After all, it's dad bod season, and it's time to get smooth. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. Appreciate you joining us. We're going to have an interesting topic today. Uh, joined by somebody I met on Reddit, Monty South. Monty, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? And complain at all other than the fear of not having a football season we're uh seem to be having baseball coming back in some form we think mm-hmm. like, sounds like we have hockey coming back sounds like basketball is coming back but uh but uh, football is the one i boy it would it would just break my heart if they missed the season definitely all right well money big topic obviously there's a lot of contract uh considerations for the ravens coming up one of the biggest and one of the most urgent and pressing at this point is the contract of Ronnie Stanley, and particularly in light of what's happened with Laramie Tunsil recently. I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on that. And uh, uh, before we do that, though, uh, I met you on Reddit. Do you want to tell people what your Reddit handle is so they can get in conversation with you and make sure they know who you are there? Yeah, of course. So my Reddit handle is actually you slash Michelle is an idiot with no spaces. Kind of a immature name, but made a while ago. So that's the best way to reach out to me if you want to talk to me. Anything about the NFL or the Ravens in general. Okay. And, and most of your activity is on the Ravens subreddit r slash Ravens? Yes, sir. That and the r slash NFL subreddit. Okay. r slash Ravens and r slash NFL. Okay. Terrific. All right. Well, appreciate that. I, I have found the r slash Ravens uh, Reddit and been enjoying that the last couple of years. Uh, lots of good conversation out there. There's also some silliness involving memes and Buck Allen and whatnot, but... Uh, in there, there's definitely some gems of content there that's that's a worthwhile site to visit regularly. Let's get back to Ronnie Stanley here, Monty. You uh, you came to me, you wanted to to talk about him specifically, and it's just a great topic. I saw your prep materials; they're fantastic. Tell us your thoughts on that, and and start with the Laramie Tunsil contract and what, what kind of situation that puts the Ravens in. Mm-hmm. So, really, with the Laramie Tunsil situation, a lot of people seem to or came out. And we're really freaking out when Tunsil first signed because it was such a large contract that really reset the market. But in my opinion, I kind of thought the left tackle market was always ready, was already ready to be reset. And even if Tunsil didn't reset the market, the Ravens would have done so with Stanley in the near future. Okay, so you, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that's not incorrect, that you, mm-hmm. that there wasn't a need to reset the market. But you had some a metric for it in terms of percentage of cap that I don't want to steal your thunder. Oh, on. yeah. So the when looking at the over the cap website, which is my favorite website when looking for cap and salary cap information in general, um, the deal from Larry and Tunsil really was a mega deal when you look at it. So when looking at the over the cap information, uh, based on the total cap percentage that they had, or based on the total cap amount available for each of the for each team when the player was signed, Larry and Tunsil actually accounted for the third highest in NFL history relative to the uh, cap at time of signing when he's just signed his last contract, sitting only behind Jonathan Ogden at 12% and Tony Baselli at uh, 
Okay, so the Ravens already once before set this market for Jonathan Ogden, obviously a Hall of Famer. The question I would have is a methodology question for us. So you, you, you have 11.1% for the Texans. What's your numerator? I can guess your denominator is the 2020 cap, right? Yes, yeah, so the denominator is the total cap for the year. Um, the way over the cap does it, this was a statistic that they actually calculated all themselves. Mm-hmm. Was they do, they average out the total annual salary for the player, and or like the salary for each of the years for as long as their contract is, and they have that one average salary per year, and they do that divided by the right, current salary cap at the year when they sign it. Okay, so if the salary if the salary had very steep increases over the period, and it's only a three year deal with Tunsil, I believe, but if it, if it had steep increases over the period. And a lot of that money really was probably not going to be earned. It was going to have the contract would have to be restructured at the end of the last year, at least would, would be very likely to be terminated. Then the the AAV divided by the total cap might come up looking higher than it otherwise would end up being. Yeah, that's that's correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. So with Ogden, he actually played out the entire contract and he, he presumably – he earned all that money, but also the NFL cap went up by a lot during the period, and it may have kept it, uh, you know, may have been substantially less than 12% over the period. It probably was because it's only looking at the first year value and taking AAV, right? So yeah. if the cap increased every year, it would have been ended up being a lower percentage of that, of that cap. Yeah, from my understanding of their metric, that's how it would have worked out. Okay. All right. So uh, that's, a, that's a great way to look at it. And one of the things that, that I've been wondering is if the Ravens in this period of COVID uncertainty would be moving to a different way to do contracts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think with the potential lowering of the salary cap because of the COVID situation, it really does offer an opportunity to kind of get creative with the contracts. And, and one thing you've talked about recently would be potentially doing a contract based on the percentage of the overall salary cap rather than just giving a flat rate like the $22 million per year that Laramie Tunzel is averaging out to. Right. So let's go back to Ogden's case for a second because we've just done some of the, the pre-work in there. If Ogden had instead signed for, let's say not 12% of cap, but if he had signed for 11, 11% of cap, he probably would have made more money over that contract doing it that way with risk, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because the cap certainly went up by more than one eleventh over the maybe in a year, but certainly over the entire period, it went up by a hell of a lot more than that. Uh, it, it would have been he could have made more money. So while while players would be taking more risk, there would be upside for them using a percentage cap system uh, potentially. Yeah, I completely agree. It kind of gives more risk to the player, but also more upside. Um, just to kind of add on to that, just like you mentioned a few weeks ago as well, I think one of the reasons this hasn't happened with players like with Aaron Rodgers, who was rumored to do it a few years ago, is because the, it's not really a structure that's really conducive to the agents wanting to work out that contract and just because they need to have a flat number so they know the rate that they're going to be making from the player. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I, the player shouldn't allow that to be the, the driving factor. That's really letting the cart drive the horse, I think, if they if they did that. I, I wouldn't – would you want to have an agent who – I want them to be concerned about their total comp. I want them to be concerned about my total comp if I'm a player. But do I really want them concerned about how the comp is structured being their concern 
their primary concern. I mean, they got lots of clients. You know, you, you're going to make a certain total amount of money off of me, and I accept that. You know, whether it's three, five percent, whatever it might be. But for for you to tell me how to earn it or how to take risk within that contract, uh, I don't have a problem with you suggesting, but it's going to be my final call. Yeah, that's definitely a fair point. It, it does definitely come down to the player at the end of the day, regardless of whether the agent wants it to be one way or another. All right, so uh, percentage of cap contracts in terms of the player seem like one of the stumbling blocks would be in the guaranteed money anyway. Players obviously want guaranteed money. Um, you know, guarantee structures now work differently, but there is often uh, a still a fair chunk of guaranteed money in year one. Might be for a player like Stanley, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a fairly substantial amount, whether you know, 10 million, 15 million, whatever it might be. And then there's often roster bonuses that occur on an annual basis. Would it be reasonable also then to have those roster bonuses be percentage of cap related? Yeah, and I, I think that would be a way you'd have to work it out. Because if you're going to do a contract like this, I think because of the risk the player takes on, you're going to have to in some way incentivize the player to have some relative safety in the contract, whether that be probably being through signing bonuses or roster bonuses each year being relatively higher than they normally would be. But then kind of taking that same amount that you're giving in the roster signing bonus and taking that into account when you deal out the total percentage of the cap that year. Okay. All right. So one of the things, it'd be really interesting to go another step with this and see, for instance, in the Ogden contract and the historical caps as they move through his contract, how that dropped as a percentage of the total cap. I'd love to know that. I don't know if that's something that's something you can get, but if you want to, if you want, if you feel like uh, tweeting that out, we'll have a little discussion about it on Twitter or uh, on the Reddit site if you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have that information on me at this moment, but that definitely something that I'd love to look into and kind of talk about further in the future. All right, um, let's talk about what other structures exist or what other things can be done with Stanley to to make this the contract be something that they can fit? Because I guess maybe we start with what other suitors are there for for Ronnie Stanley in the NFL? Who'd be the most, some of the most likely teams? And especially considering next year when he could be available in a league where there's not a whole lot of cap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so as far as other suitors, normally the Ravens are in a situation where they're really tight up against the cap and as a result, really can't compete when their big players want to leave. But fortunately for us next year, looking at over the caps numbers they have available for us, we're actually one. There are only seven teams in the NFL that are in line to have more cap space than the Ravens next year. Okay, and the Ravens, the, the Ravens don't have too many total players under contract with that, though, right? Yes, that's true. So while they do have a lot of money technically available, they are going to have a lot of money tied up in players, whether that be re-signing Matthew Judon, signing Marlon Humphrey earlier, a bunch of all the other young offensive talent we have on the team as well. Okay. And Lamar Jackson, because the fifth-year option they'll have to make a choice on, it might make sense to get Jackson signed before year four instead of before year five uh, if they want to try and truly create something that's that's a um, – guarantee in exchange for a little bit less total dollars out the door. I mean, he mm-hmm. gets more in, in, in that fourth year. Because in the fifth year, my understanding is, and this is from Brian McFarlane, was that the, 
the quarterback salary in year five is a lot higher than other positions, meaning that it has to be uh, ends up being 30, 30 plus million. They would have to play Jackson in year five anyway uh, to make use of that quote unquote valuable fifth year option. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it even though, uh, so I guess to kind of build off of that. Well, it does look like we have a lot of extra cap space. It's definitely going to be a lot less than it looks like on paper. But even when considering that, of the teams that do have more cap space than uh, than us going into the future, uh, especially in 2021, it seems like they have conflicting uh, players and contracts on their team already that would kind of prevent them from signing someone like Ronnie Stanley. With one example being the Colts, who actually already who have the most salary cap in 2021, but already have their franchise left tackle signed. Okay, so that's good news for the Ravens. That, that that's the case, and they and they have a they don't have a deal they can exit right because a lot of teams going to be exiting a lot of deals if the cap goes down. So it it, it could be a glutified uh, free agent market to say the least with a lot of players. I mean, there's a, there's a fair number of players on the Ravens who are at risk from this cap. Wouldn't you, from a cap reduction? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. There's there's a lot of veteran players that I could see us just not having the money to cut or not having the money to keep just because of the salary cap going down. Um, some of the examples being players we've just signed this year with players like Chuck Clark, who even though I really love as a player and I think is great value with the current salary cap situation, if the cap is going down and it's between cutting Clark to make money to keep Stanley and not keeping him, I think that those are going to be the types of decisions the team might have to make to keep the franchise left tackle going forward. Okay, that to me, that would be a very painful cut. I love Chuck Clark, and and I don't I don't really think his salary is that much. The players I'm thinking of, and the the one that would really hurt is Marcus Peters. If they had to let him go, but his contract would allow for it. They have a cap savings if they cut him after 2020. I'm not saying it's a good idea, but I am saying if they needed to get the money for Stanley, that might be where they'd have to get it. Earl Thomas, they have a six million dollar savings, so it's much more significant than Clark. May also be a significantly better player, but Earl Thomas is getting older, and Clark is the signal caller for the defense, so not sure. Brandon Williams, I think, is in much more jeopardy next year with, a, I think, maybe 12, 11 million, whatever it is, of salary for next year. So there are a number of players on defense. Mark Ingram, certainly on offense, is, the, is probably the biggest name who would be vulnerable next year to being cut if J.K. Dobbins in particular comes through. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I'm sorry, I'm hijacking the topic here. I want to let you get back to to other things you want to talk about, about the Stanley deal in particular. Maybe solutions, what uh, what else can be done? Yeah, so I think uh, we might wind up, if we if Stanley isn't willing to take a, or sorry, I guess one, one big solution we could try and do is something we've already mentioned on the podcast, where we try and do a percentage of the salary type of deal for Ronnie Stanley. So maybe trying to give him, starting out with 11% with that number going up each year for three or four years down into the future. Okay. All right. So the, if the cap should go up, then presumably would he need to get an increase in cap percentage by year? Because if you look back at Ogden and it was 12% all years, that was probably 12% grading down to probably something less than 10% by the end of his contract because it was a long-term deal. Would it be reasonable to have Stanley be an 11 all the way through? Uh, I guess I meant less the percentage increasing and more just like the overall salary cap increasing. Uh, but yeah, I think 11% would be kind of a good number to kind of sit at. 
is that's just below the current Tunzel number, which mm -hmm. would the first year have Stanley taking less than Tunzel. But if when the new TV contracts come in and the salary cap goes up a large amount, that would have Stanley going above Tunzel again, while also giving the Ravens some immediate flexibility in the cap space next offseason. Right. Makes all kinds of sense. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so let's assume they can't sign Stanley to a long-term deal. Then what other options do they have in 2021? Mm -hmm. So when looking at the options in 2021, uh, one name that I've seen come up on the Ravens subreddit a lot is Penny Sewell, who is a first-round pick, or a, supposed to be a lot like very high pick in the draft next year. Of course, for, this, for that to be a potential solution to the left tackle problem, we'd probably have to tag and trade Ronnie Stanley for – a large amount of, or to get a large return. Okay. So that, that would, that might, where is he, where is he thought to be drafted in top 10 anyway? Left yeah. tackle. Yeah. I've seen top 10. And from what I've heard from the NFL subreddit and the NFL draft subreddit, he's almost seen as a, maybe not quite generational left tackle, but like the next step below that. So I would okay. expecting him to probably be going in the top five at the very least. Okay, so he's a Tunsil Stanley like candidate in terms of of that level of quality. Okay, wow. Um, and to get into the top five, just in terms of draft capital, that's an enormous undertaking for the Ravens because they they'll have you know a fourth of that in terms of the, we hope in terms of their own pick, mm -hmm. you know towards thirty two this year. Uh, you know, we certainly hope it's there. I, I, the Ravens could end up picking in the low 20s, obviously. They could end up even picking in the high teens if somehow they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, but it's also very possible the Ravens could be drafting between 29 and 32 if they make the conference championship. That does not seem unreasonable either. Yeah, and it's because of that that I think if they do decide that they want to address the, the position through the draft, they're going to have to get a really large return from that Penny Sewell, or not from the Penny Sewell, from the layer, from the Ronnie Stanley tag and trade deal. So they would have the capital move up in, into the top five or maybe even top 10 if he falls in the draft. Okay, so that's also dependent upon the franchise tag being used on Stanley. And in 2021, my problem with the franchise tag is it may still be worth it for Stanley, but it won't be as worth it as it's been worth in previous years. Because if the cap has gone down, the tag is still going to be determined by those enforced contracts that were signed under higher cap numbers and they're going to they're going to be sitting out there whatever now the market hasn't been reset so hopefully it's not the not the worst thing in the world but it will have tunsil's deal right as one of the average of the top five and then it'll have others and, yeah. and so it'll be a pretty significant number yeah so the tunsil deal will definitely skew that upwards of where it would have been if he hadn't signed the deal i think going into this off before the tunsil deal the highest left tackle was sitting at around 18 million dollars a year okay. so it really did skew it up to maybe having us pay almost the regular franchise left tackle cost, even in a depressed uh, cap situation. Okay, so if they they let's say that 18 million was the average of the top five next year, and that might be optimistic. It might be slightly higher than that. If the if the COVID cap number is let's say it's it could be 30 percent lower, but they may also come up with a scheme where they borrow from the future. You know they we. We've had podcasts on that. I don't want to completely re-go over that material. It's it's still, there's uh, whether it's over the course of one year or over the course of, let's say, five or six years, there's going to be less total cap dollars available, and Stanley will make up a higher percentage 
in terms of his one year tagging than he would have previously. Mm-hmm. So it might be 11% of one year. It might be, might be 2% of five years, but it will be, it, it's going to be something more substantial than it would have otherwise uh, been. I'm talking about his one year divided by the five years of cap dollars it might be 2%. Mm-hmm. And I think to add on to that, actually, the Ravens may be looking to try and avoid the franchise tag because of the TV deals coming up as well. So they're kind of going to get hit twice with that franchise deal, where the first year they're going to be paying more than they normally would relative to the cap with a depressed market at first. But then with the next year, with the French, with the um, salary cap, then potentially jumping right back up again when the TV contracts come in, that could be Ronnie Stanley having a chance to double dip and get a huge contract once the overall salary cap increases, maybe even past what it is this year. Right. So they basically... It's a very bad situation for the Ravens to have a drop in cap coming. It's a good situation in general for the Ravens to have a drop in cap coming when they have a lot of cap. Let's start with that. That's positive. But for specifically for retaining Ronnie Stanley, it makes it much more complicated because the friction of the franchise tag is devalued within this context. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, okay. Well, bummer of a situation, and so it's going to obviously make the make that a difficult and and fluid situation. Hopefully, Stanley wants to stay in Baltimore, and and you know we'd it break my heart if he left the Ravens and and you know he doesn't end up in their ring of honor someday, frankly. But uh, you know it's it's uh, football's a business, and you know, the Ravens have been extremely smart with the cap, and I guess if we're lucky as fans of a team that that has has to make difficult choices among the the various cornerstone players that they acquire and draft that because they're so good at that element of it. Yeah, it's definitely a good, bad situation to be in kind of like the good, bad situation that the Ravens have at running back. Now having four talented running backs, it's just kind of what you find yourself in when you have a franchise that's run as well and efficiently as the Ravens. Right. Very good. Very good. Uh, here's the really, truly only, outstanding linemen right now that they have. I mean, we may find out that Ben Powers is really good, or we may find out that DJ Fluker still has something in the tank and plays a lot better with Jackson. But I think Brown, there's so much of his play is, is related to Jackson in terms of what makes him good that I'm really concerned about them losing the real anchor of the offensive line. If, if Stanley left, I mean, they've lost Leonda already. Uh, They, they may not be able to replace him with anything that really works or, you know, it may it may be less severe than than we we fear, but with Stanley, I'm, I, he's just he's the one real standout on this offensive line. Yeah, and I really do fear that the Ravens might wind up taking the approach that the Panthers and the team approach that a lot of teams with mobile quarterbacks like Cam Newton have taken in the past, where they kind of figure their quarterback is so athletic they can make up for deficiencies in the offensive line, just refuse to invest major top of the market dollars into the offensive line. So I, I really do hope the Ravens wind up keeping Ronnie Stanley because I don't want it to be a situation where Lamar has to do it all by himself consistently. Yeah, how horrible would it be if, if he were playing for the Cleveland Browns? Say, I don't think he could, as great as he is, I don't think he'd be the same player there. I think he'd, he'd definitely be hurting from their situation at tackle in 2019 at least. Oh. Uh, now... Worst of the worst, you mentioned the one possibility is to draft a player to replace Stanley. Uh, are there any potential free agents next year that look good to you in terms of the left tackle position? Um, 
Well, I did just say I don't want the Ravens to take the approach of the Panthers. If that mm-hmm. is a way the front office decides to go, one option I could see as potentially going after is actually maybe Nate Solder, who, while I think is under contract past 2021, is a good candidate to be someone who's going to be cut in the offseason, so therefore won't impact the um, the compensatory pick formula. And I think his his past performance with teams like the Patriots, where he's had a great offensive line and a great system for offensive linemen, is something that could maybe translate over to the Ravens, who also have a great offensive line and situation for a player to kind of thrive, even if they aren't as good as their situation would make them out to be. Okay. So he's played the last couple of years with the Giants, and he'll play. To, I assume he's still with the Giants in 2020, right? Yeah, he is. And as far as I know, he's still slated to start at right tackle, but they also drafted another right tackle that is assumed to be the heir apparent at that position in 2021. Solder, someone at his age, and I know he played a lot of left tackle at New England. I don't know if he played exclusively there. Is he someone who you would see at age 33 moving back to left tackle without problems? Um, I think he would have problems, and that's just kind of the nature of the market when it comes to available left tackle positions. If you're a great left tackle, you're very rarely going to be left on free agency, which is kind of the reason why the Patriots let Solder go in general, where because he was really just kind of an average to slightly above average tackle who really cashed in at the right time when he went to the Giants. Okay. All right. Outstanding stuff here, Marty. I I feel like we've discussed this topic pretty well. Is there any other points you'd like to make about this? Anything else related to it? Um, Nothing that I, that I can think of at the moment. All right. Outstanding. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Tell us, where can they find any work of yours? You mentioned a podcast you guys are working on. Yeah, so my friends and I are actually going to be starting a podcast with our first recording actually starting two days from now on the 25th with the first episode coming out, hopefully the first week of July. The podcast will be called When the Lights Go Out, which is going to be a podcast which covers many of the stories that surround sports rather than the sports themselves, with some of the first topics that we have lined up being the connection between the Major League Baseball and the Dominican Republic, and then another being the impact that sports teams moving to and from different cities has on their communities. Oh, okay. That's interesting. That's an interesting topic. There's a fair amount of that you can look back on. Mm-hmm. Uh, outstanding. We'll look for that. Please, uh, when that when that first episode goes up, uh, tag me, and I'll make sure I retweet it and and uh, and publicize it to a little, the small degree that I can. Uh, also want to encourage other listeners out there to bring their topics uh, for film study shorts. Send them to me. Easiest way is to hit me up with a direct message on Twitter. I'm at Film Study Ravens. Uh, that's the easiest place. In terms of other content this week, we have some great stuff out there. And there's an hour and 15 minute analytics discussion with a with a fellow actuary, Dean, uh, Dan, sorry, Reese, that is uh, on how the Ravens are completely different than all other offenses in the NFL when they run on first down. And if you like analytics, if you like having things explained well, Dan does a great job with that. And you can actually see me getting excited about the explanation on the screen because uh, of, of the way we did the podcast. So I, I hope you guys will uh, will give that a chance. Uh, thanks again for coming on, Monty. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Of course, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You deserve better. Xfinity Mobile. Break free from the big three. Get unlimited with 5G included for $30 a month when you get four lines on Xfinity Mobile. Prices may vary and are subject to change. Reduce speeds at 20 gigabytes per line. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.